We can never be satisfied to simply go to church. Family of God, we must be the church. Here at Community Church, our goal for you is to connect with God, with each other, and with your purpose. This is the Community Church Podcast. Welcome back to the Community Church Podcast. I'm Jim Miskevich here with Chris Graham and Dennis Hartzell, and we're here to talk about Ephesians 4, 17 through 32, the second half of the chapter in 4. Last time, we talked about the first part, which is the church is one body, unified in Christ. And the big idea for me here is if you read through this, there's a laundry list of things. There's just one verse right after the other talking about you need to do this, you need to change that. So that's what I put. The big idea is change. Start becoming like Christ and stop acting like everyone else. There is the first part of Ephesians talks about we can't change our standing with God through works. And I 100% believe that the gospel is grace through faith in Jesus Christ, not based on your works. But but God does want us to change. He wants us to becoming more like Christ. And there are 10 to 15 different ways that we can do this. And God wants us to start to change. What did you guys see in this passage? I thought he did a really good job uh, in helping the believer with essentially a roadmap, right? You mentioned those, you know, 15 items or so to really focus on, and it's a, it's a great roadmap as you're uh, progressing along this Christian walk, you know, just kind of a checklist of, you know, am I uh, putting away all falsehood? Am I speaking ill of other people? And just kind of give you a roadmap essentially to make sure you're walking the path you should be on. Yeah, you know, a common phrase today is, what would Jesus do? And I kind of look at this like, what does it look like to be like Jesus? And it gives us a list of goals for everyone who claims to be a Jesus follower. And I, that was kind of what I got from it. It's interesting that this this list of things that we can change comes right after Paul talking about the church. And we all want you to find your church, find your service, and do it well. But the biggest way that you could help the church is to keep working on yourself and your relationship with Christ and your relationship with others. If you come and serve in children's ministry but are uh, gossiping and cheating and stealing, uh, we we would say, all right, take a pause service and go fix up these areas in your life. I've heard uh, recently a saying that says, work twice as hard on your character as you do on your ministry. And so that's, that's kind of a same th- saying the same thing that you said. Work, work on yourself first and then on your ministry. It is amazing, though, sometimes as you do work in ministry, uh, those you work alongside can be of a great source of encouragement and uh, even reinforcement of the Scripture to help you in your own walk. Um, you know, I think many times, whether in children's ministry, is we uh, when we had Awana back in the day and working with the Sparkies, you know, watching friends like Pam Meckling work with the young kids and just seeing the tender spirit she had with them and the patience she showed with them, along with all the other wonderful helpers I had as well. I mean, that just continues to build up in me that same type of mentality. I had the question um, that I posed to you guys since there's a, a, a 
lots of things to do, and especially verses 25 through 32. Is there one verse that sticks out to you? If our church could pick one of these verses and com- to completely change their life and just focus on one of these verses, which verse would you pick for our church? For our church, it might be a little bit different. I was thinking <laughs> of the uh, just the general universal church, um, and really even for my own life, which would be verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for the building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Uh, I think, um, you know, a great piece of advice that I got that we'll we'll talk about in our next episode as well, which is um, assume the best in people. I think too many times we see an action or we see a reaction, um, and immediately we go to the negative. Oh, they're doing because they're like this. You know, they're not mature enough. They're not whatever. And immediately we can go to that corrupting talk and tearing them down rather than giving someone the benefit of the doubt. You know, they just didn't know any better. Um, You know, I think oftentimes I can do that as a parent as well, where I see my children maybe misbehave or not do something that would fit our social norms. And immediately I'm there, you know, in their face, trying to talk to them about it, trying to, hey, this is how we correct this is going on. But they didn't know any better. You know, they weren't uh, they weren't aware of what the reality was and they were just being innocent uh, in that. And so um, let no corrupting talk coming out of our mouths, I think, would would go a long way for the church as well as for myself. I'd like to add to that uh, verse 32 says that be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I know that there's a lot of criticism pointed at the church today. And Jesus also said, they'll know you're my true followers by the love that you have for one another. And so this verse really sums it up for me. If the world could see us being kind to one another, tenderhearted toward one another, forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave us, I think that Jesus even said it speaks volumes to the world to see us uh, treating one another uh, well. Um, Well, we picked uh, the same verse. Um, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. But I, I was focusing on the forgiveness um, portion of this verse. And forgiveness is probably a top five hardest thing for people to do. I, I don't know if that's true. It just seems like it. And especially it seems like in the church where people have known one another for a while or they have different ideas about what ministry is important or what money should go where or what color the wall should be. Um, it is hard for people to forgive. And I'll, I'll throw it out to you guys in a second, but what does forgiveness actually look like? That You could probably, and pastors have, talked sermons and sermons about what forgiveness is. And I'll just throw one out there, and uh, that is going to be my application later. Um, is forgiveness means not bringing up a past wrong again. Um, So this can be inside the church. This can be with your own children. This could be with your spouse. Once you've been reconciled, once you have said, okay, everything is fine, don't bring that back up again, especially in a marriage. Hey, you know, you're going through a rough patch or you're fighting, and then one person says, I remember when you did this. Well, that's not what forgiveness means. Forgiveness means not holding it against them again. Um, is there an aspect of forgiveness that you think that is difficult 
for us to um, understand? I mean, I think for me, I mean, you hit on the head. I think it's, you know, letting go. You know, I think it's it's okay to still be hurt by it, um, whatever it might have been, but, you know, not blaming them or holding it over them um, is the tricky part. And I think oftentimes, even in the, you know, in the throes of conversation or, or conflict, it's easy to think, well, you know, I could bring this up, um, but then to show that restraint to not do that. Um, and it, for me, it's a matter of not even having that pop up in my head to know that I, okay, I just let it go, let it go. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the biggest challenge there for me. I think the idea also of, uh, as you said, not holding it over them, but being able to treat them as though they haven't hurt you, I think is huge. Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. He he was not only not holding it against them, he was treating them with loving words and kindness. And today we need to, I think, do the same thing in not um, treating them in any different way as if they hadn't ever done it to us, uh, so to speak. A very simple concept that I try and teach my kids as, as they're growing up is treat others how you want to be treated. And so a lot of times I have to think to myself, boy, what would it be like if I had people who I've wronged and who have shown me forgiveness were to throw that back in my face? That would that'd be, that'd be bad. That'd leave a pretty bad taste in my mouth. And so I definitely want to try and not do that as well. And I want to make it clear to people, I, uh, it is, forgiveness is difficult. Every one of us have been hurt in small and some people in very big ways. And it, it's, a, it's a process that takes years sometimes in prayer. Um, and it, it, I don't want to say this uh, flippantly or easily, but uh, the verse says, even as God in Christ forgave you, I, my sin, put Jesus Christ on the cross and he chose to forgive me. He will never bring my sin up again. He loves me as his son. Um, so that is our challenge to do to other people. It won't be easy, and I'm not going to say that it is simple. Um, I'm not going to say that my pain is more than yours That when people have hurt me. But um, it's amazing that God put that in there. It's like, I forgave you. So go and forgive people in your family, in the community, and especially um, in the church. One thing I was thinking of, actually I had a question for you guys, was in verse 30, it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. There's a few times in Scripture itself where it talks about how we can grieve maybe God or the Holy Spirit or Christ. This is one of those instances where we see the Holy Spirit, where we can directly impact him and that we cause him to grieve. What does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? How does one do that? Well, first I think we have to remember that... The Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity. And so uh, human characteristics are given to him in the Bible, referring to him as his, or this idea that he can even be grieved like uh, we can be grieved. So what does it mean to grieve? It means to offend, uh, to make sad, to cause sorrow or cause distress. And I kind of believe that anytime we rebel against what God tells us to do, we are grieving the Holy Spirit. Uh, these verses tell us here, that we are supposed to extend grace and be kind, be forgiving one another. Verses, uh, other verses speak of uh, our words and how hard they can be toward people. He says, don't be angry or quarreling with people. So whatever is against the will of God, I guess, is one way to put it. Uh, anytime we rebel against what God tells us uh, to do, we are grieving the Holy Spirit. Um, I definitely agree with that. Well, the 
a main role that the Holy Spirit has in a Christian is, um, well, number one, he's in us, as the verse said. He is in us when we are sealed with him. And it grieves him, I'm sure, in lots of ways. But the thing that I was thinking of, the Holy Spirit is there to remind us of God's truths, mostly through Scripture or other wise sayings. So when there's a time that we want to have corrupt talk about someone else, when we want to tear someone else down, the Holy Spirit will remind us, hey, you need to treat those people like you want to be treated. When we listen to him, that makes him happy. When we choose to gossip about someone else, that makes him sad. As a dad, I know I'm very sad when my kids do wrong. But when I tell them ahead of time, hey, watch out for this. Please make sure you treat um, your sister nicely. And then 10 minutes later, going and pushing your sister, I I seem to be uh, more sad at that time. So I think a part of what grieving the Holy Spirit is is not listening to when he prompts scripture back into us prompts right action um and th- that that's what i see when in yeah i verse. think you can definitely feel as a christian um you know your your sin nature and the old flesh fighting against the holy spirit at times and i think it's when we give in to that old nature that's when that grievous um, um uh, attitude or persona goes on the holy spirit for sure Um, So we're at the point of uh, application. I've kind of already given mine, um, but it's uh, this week is when you say you're going to forgive someone, um, don't bring it up again. So there might be one person in your life. Maybe it's the children in your house that you've seen for 100 straight days for 24 hours a day when your child does something wrong. So for me, when my child has done something wrong, not to keep reminding him about, hey, you blew it this time. Don't blow it the next time. Um, to forgive him, to continue to have, or her, make sure I, you know, uh, Claire does wrong things, just like Tate does, um, <laughs> to move on, to continue to have fun with them, um, but to move on and don't bring it up again. You guys have any application for this week? I think for me it just goes back to what we talked about at the beginning in terms of assuming the best in people um, and not always going right to the worst-case scenario, um, but just giving them benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I like the idea of being uh, the goal to be as forgiving as Jesus was. That's mm-hmm. kind of an application for me. And I just I give kudos to the church here at Community. I've been here since the mid-80s. And I would say in that time, probably four, I would say, it doesn't happen regularly, obviously, but four times in those years. Uh, people have come forward to confess uh, either publicly to the, the membership or to the board uh, things that they have struggled with or sins that they've committed. And I'll tell you, it just it just, um, just amazes me in a good way that after people have confessed publicly, whether it's to the board or to uh, the church membership, I have never, ever, ever heard that sin repeated or brought up ever, ever again. And so it's kind of cool. People go, why would anybody confess to the church their sin or whatever? But in my uh, experience, it has been such a good thing that, no other person has ever brought it up again. So to be as forgiving as Jesus is my application. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for uh, your words, and thank you listeners for uh, reading God's Word and trying to apply it uh, to your life. Next week, uh, we'll talk about Ephesians uh, chapter 5. Uh, feel free to email us at info at edwardsburg.church. 
um, any questions you have. And again, we will be talking more about rela specific relationships in marriage and in parenting. So feel free to email us your um, thoughts and questions uh, with that. Also, we're planning, at least on the, the, uh, in the future, to after we're done with Ephesians, to maybe having one or two parenting or marriage uh, uh, podcasts. So we'd love your input. We'd love to, hey, um, what things should we talk about with marriage or parenting? Please feel free to email us and or talk to us in some way. Um, coming up next, Dennis has his book review. Are you looking for a book on relationships to give to a graduate or newlyweds? Are you looking for a book on how to win at dating, marriage, and even sex? Are you looking for a book on relationships in general, for example, at work or in your family or in your neighborhood? Well, today I have just the book for you. It is entitled Relationship Goals by author Michael Todd. Now, I'll show you my ignorance. I had never heard of Michael Todd, but I will never forget him or his book. He is an African-American pastor of a megachurch in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The book came about after a very successful sermon series on relationships, which was intended to help millennials and their younger counterparts to set goals in their dating experiences. However, no matter where you are in life, we can all benefit from Pastor Michael's honest, Bible-based, powerful teaching on what the scriptures teach about relationships. The author uses examples from his own relationship mistakes to give honest, humble, relatable, counter-cultural advice on how to understand the often complicated world of adult relationships. I do have to say millions have seen his sermon series on YouTube. This book was a refreshing look at contemporary relationships and how they often end in both sides being hurt, usually because there were no goals to aim for. Michael not only paints a vision of what God intended for these relationships to be like, but he also provides a roadmap for getting you there. One example of the very practical advice that the book offers is the idea that we all need to seek to understand ourselves first before we even start the dating process. The book is uncensored in the fact that he uses terms that otherwise you might not find written by generally older writers. And they may not use such terms to describe situations that younger readers can fully appreciate. The author is very attuned to the culture we find ourselves living in. In conclusion, appreciate the fact that Pastor Todd first addressed the importance of our relationship with God. I really enjoyed reading the book and would highly recommend giving it especially to those who are approaching their first attempts at dating all the way to those who are older but were never successful at setting goals for their dating experience. The book is Relationship Goals by Michael Todd, and I give it a 5 out of 5 and hope that you'll keep listening for the trumpet. <laughs>